God. Let's open our Bibles to Romans the 8th chapter while they're receiving the tithes and the offerings. Let's open our Bibles, if you would, to Romans the 8th chapter. Of course, this month we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the church. The Holy Spirit and the church. Now, last Wednesday night we talked about the seven-part ministry or the seven-fold ministry that the Holy Spirit has to the church. And so this, you know, we've been talking about various and sundry things concerning the Holy Spirit's activity in the church. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is here right now and He's active in the service, you see? And um, He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. Remember, we talked about those things Wednesday night. But now this morning, I want to talk about a very, very important subject, how the Holy Spirit leads us, how the Holy Spirit leads us, how the Holy Spirit leads us. He's our guide, and we need to understand how the Holy Spirit leads us. And so that's what we're going to talk about here today. Romans 8 and 14 says this, Romans 8, 14 I use the New King James Version for the most part. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now actually, as you get in and you study that a little more closely, it reads, if you went back in the, into the original Greek text and you really studied it out, it, it reads like this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature sons of God. These are the mature sons of God. You see, baby Christians, you know when you repent of your sins, place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you become a Christian, and you're going to miss hell and make heaven. You understand that. But at that time, you're a baby Christian. And then as you feed on the Word of God, you grow spiritually, and then you become an adolescent Christian. You know, I, I would call it that, you know. Uh, and then eventually, hopefully, you grow into maturity and become a mature Christian. But I've noticed this, that baby Christians and adolescent Christians don't always take their leading from the Holy Spirit. But now mature Christians will. Right here we read, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are mature sons and daughters of God. See, you see a mature Christian will take their leading from the Holy Spirit. But you see, baby and adolescent Christians don't always do that. They are oftentimes led by all sorts of things. By all sorts of things. Do you know that baby Christians, adolescent Christians, very oftentimes they're not led by the Holy Spirit at all, but they're led by people. They do something just because somebody else did it. Well, just because somebody else did that, well then, you know, I'm going to do that too. Well, just because somebody else did something doesn't mean you should do it. I've watched over 25 plus years people, baby and adolescent Christians, do something just because somebody else did it. And I've seen it again and again and again. They get out of the will of God and they get themselves in trouble and in problems, and in, in, in the difficulty. Don't follow people. Follow the Holy Spirit. Don't do something just because somebody else did it. Maybe it was the right thing for them, but it might not be the right thing for you. 
You need to think about that. Don't be led by circumstances. So oft times people are led by circumstances. I'll tell you something else you need to be watchful of. Don't be led by opportunities. You know, the Bible is clear that God can open doors. But just because a door stands open, a door of opportunity, that doesn't mean necessarily that God opened it. And I've seen this again and again over the years where, you know, a door of opportunity would open to somebody and they concluded just because that door opened that it must be God. Well, it might be God, but you shouldn't be led by that door. You should be led by the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you. Because I've watched this again and again. You know, a door would open up. A job opportunity would open up across, across the way or whatever. And it was such an attractive thing. And the, 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 the fellow would take the, take the job, move his, without seeking the Lord, just, just led by the opportunity, more money. And then they, he moves his family across the country or whatever it is. They get set up there. And then, yeah, there's more money coming in. But it wasn't God that was leading them. And now all of a sudden the children start suffering because you, you know what I mean? And and the the wife starts suffering and the, the fella's not happy because the family's not doing so well. Now you got more money coming in, but what's money if you if you if you if your kids are going down? And you know what I mean? How many of you know there's more important things than money? A whole lot more important things than money. But just because an opportunity arises doesn't mean it's God. It could be God, you know. I've already had things in my life where the, here again, the door shut on something. Just because a door shuts doesn't mean that God shut it. It could be the devil fighting you. And again and again, I've watched Christians that, well, that door shut, so... I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pursue that. Well, listen, it could be that God want, God wants you to go through that, but the devil is hindering you and the Lord might want you to take your faith and blow that door open and walk through. You can't go by it just because the door is open or closed. You've got to be not led by doors open or closed. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Okay. So how does the Holy Spirit lead? How does he lead? Well, let's look at the number one way to be led by the Holy Spirit. Go to Psalms 119.105. Psalms 119.105. Psalms 119.105. Now notice here, Psalms 119.105. I'll give you a moment to get that. Do you have it? The Bible says your word, he's talking about the Bible, the word of God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The number one way that the Holy Spirit leads any of us is through the written word of God, through the Bible. Now don't ever let anybody tell you any different than that. The number one way that the Holy Spirit leads is through the Bible, through the holy written word of God. You understand? Uh, do we need great leading from the Spirit of God to decide whether or not we should love somebody? 
No, because the Bible says walk in love. Do we need to spend 12 hours in prayer to get the Spirit's leading on whether or not we should forgive somebody? Absolutely not. The Bible already told us to do that. The Holy Spirit, who wrote the book? The Holy Spirit. He used men to do it, but he wrote the book, Genesis to Revelation. You understand that? And so the number one way above any other way that there is to be led by the Holy Spirit is with the written word of God. Now, that's typically not where the issue comes in. Where the issue comes in is what do you do when you need to make a decision that's not written verbatim in the Word of God? Like, what job should I take? Which car should I buy? Which house should I buy? Where should I live? If you're single, you know, should I marry this knight in shining armor? Well, you don't know what's behind the armor. But the Holy Spirit does. But you can't go to the Bible. You know, I use this as a joke and it's kind of old, but, you know, I married a lady named Diane, but when I was seeking the Lord concerning a wife, the Bible said, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I did. But I couldn't go in the Bible where it said, Thou shalt... Mary Diane. The only thing in the Bible says you shall go out with joy. And I wasn't in love with her. So these kinds of... Do you understand what I'm talking about? These kinds of questions. Who, who, what, what house? What car? Where do we live? Which job? These things you can't go to the Bible and open it up and say, Thou shalt live at, you know, 1232 Main Street in Fenton. You can't find that in the Bible. So... You're going to need to be led by the Spirit nonetheless. Now, one thing I will tell you, and then we're going to spend the bulk of the time teaching you here this morning how to be led by the Spirit of God when something's not verbatim written in the book. Because if it's written verbatim in the book, like walking in love and being a forgiver and all that, that's in the book. You can go to the book and read that. You understand? But like where to live, what, what job you know, should I take, these kinds of things. It's not verbatim written in the Bible, so you need to know how the Holy Spirit works in leading us in these situations. Now, I will tell you this, something I've learned over the many years. If you're not willing to follow God in the general areas of His guidance, which would be the Word of God, then you're limited, into, you're limited as to how much He's going to lead you in specific things. Did you get what I just said? Let me say that again. If you refuse to follow what's written in the book, then why should he give you specific instruction for your personal life? Like where to live, what car to buy, who to marry, these kinds of things. Did you get what I just said? So I've, I've watched person after person after person. You know, I'm talking Christians now. They don't want to read and study the Bible. They don't want to do that. But yet they want God to lead them, guide them, and direct them in their personal life and specific things. They don't want to follow God's general instruction, but they want the specific instruction for their life. And I've found again and again, I've watched this, and I've experienced it in my own life. If I'm not willing to follow God in His general direction from the Bible, then, then he, he typically doesn't tend to take hold with you and lead you in these, in these specific areas. Okay, so you need to know that. Uh, 
If you haven't been getting the leading that you think that you should concerning your personal life, what you need to do is just, what I do, is I just start, you know, where have I missed it in this, in this general direction? Where have I missed it in the, in the Bible? You know, ha- have I been walking in love? Have I been walking in forgiveness? You know, have I been doing these things? Okay. Have I been attending church regularly? Doesn't the Bible say to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together? You know, these sorts of things. And then... When I get back to doing those, then I notice the Holy Spirit begins to lead more so in, my, in the specific area. So what do you do then? What do you do when the decision you need to make is not written verbatim in the Word of God? What do you do? Now, we've said this again and again, but you can never teach too much on this. Because how many of you need leading besides me? I mean, we need it all the time. We need to be led by the Spirit. Somebody wanted to know, what is God doing in the earth today? Well, I'll tell you a couple things he's doing. One thing, he's building his church, isn't he? Jesus said, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he also, I'm convinced of this, he, he wants his children, the church, members of the body of Christ, to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. So how do you get this specific leading? How, how do you do it? Well, I say this, peace versus no peace. Peace versus no peace. You see, very oft times people, they want dreams, they want visions, they want an audible voice from God, they want an angelic appearance. Doesn't the Bible say that the devil himself can appear as an angel of light? See, you have to be real careful. But people want dreams, visions, audible voices, angelic appearances and all of that. And you need to know this. God, as a general rule, typically does not use these ways to lead his children. Now, he could, but he he typically doesn't. And even if, listen to me, even if he did give you some kind of a dream or a vision, and, and he can do that now. Don't misunderstand me. But if he does, one thing you must know, that it must line up with what? With the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you can immediately conclude it wasn't from the Lord. Now, you understand that. So if it's not dreams and voices and things like that, then what is it? Well, look at Isaiah 55 and 12. We'll give you a scripture out of the Old Testament and one out of the New. Look at Isaiah 55, 12. We're talking about something everybody needs to know about. How are you led by the Spirit of God when... It's not verbatim written in the Bible. Notice this, Isaiah 55, 12. You shall go out with joy. I alluded to that a moment ago. And, now here, get this, and be led out with what? With peace. You'll be led with what? With peace. Now that's not as spectacular as a dream or a vision or an angelic appearance. But you need to know that this is how God operates. This is how the Holy Spirit leads us. Through peace down on the inside or a lack thereof. Now look look at Colossians 3.15. Look at Colossians 3.15. Look at Colossians 3.15. We saw from Isaiah that we're to be led out with peace. We're led with peace. But look at Colossians 3.15. Look at Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now that word rule, if you were to study that out a little bit, you'd find that it means this. It it carries the same meaning as an umpire. 
Let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. Well, what does an umpire do in baseball? The umpire, one thing the umpire does is calls safe or out. So what you need to do is whenever you need to make a decision, before you move on that, you need to let the peace of God be the umpire on that. And if the Spirit of God wants you to proceed, then you're going to have peace on the inside. If He doesn't want you to proceed, there will be what I would call a check in your heart or in your spirit, a, 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 an uneasiness or a lack of peace. See, When that happens, then you need to hold off. You need to hold off. Something else I've learned in walking with God some t- timing is everything. Sometimes he might want you to do something all right, but he may not want you to do it for a couple of years. And so you might have, you might, have you ever had peace on something yet an uneasiness kind of at the same time? Well, I have. And in those cases, what I conclude is that that thing might be from the Lord that he, he may want me to do that, but it may just not be the right time. But I'll tell you this, if you've got uneasiness on the inside of, of yourself, if you've got uneasiness in there, I wouldn't proceed on whatever it is you're thinking about doing. If you've got peace like a river, as the Bible says, you know, as the song says, peace like a river on something, then go with it. If a door opens up and there's no peace, don't walk through that door. If a door is shut and you feel you've got peace about going through it, Take your faith and blow the door open and go through. But see, you're not led by a door open or a door shut. You're led by the peace of God, by the Holy Spirit on the inside. If you've got peace, then go. If you don't, then don't. Now, I'll tell you something to you married couples, how God works. Well, think about this. Major decisions. Mary and Joseph, first couple of Christianity, right? Did you ever notice how how, how, how God led Mary and Joseph? He gave the direction not to the wife but, uh, but to the husband. Remember that? And something I've noticed about God, now you've got your marriage and, and all of that, and, uh, but the Bible's clear that the husband is supposed to take the leadership role. That doesn't mean he's supposed to be the dictator and it doesn't mean the wife's supposed to be the doormat. You understand? But I've noticed this, and this is how it's always worked with me and my wife, is God, lead, he's always given me the, the leading, but he's given her the confirmation. And if we're not in agreement, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? If we're not on agreement on something, we don't move on it. Okay? Boy, it's kept us out of a whole lot of trouble. There's been times where I had peace on something, but she didn't, and we found out that it was the right thing. It was just the wrong timing, see? Okay? And I'm not going to go in there and say, well, bless God, I'm the husband, so we're going to just go this way. No, the wife plays a vital role, you see. You understand? But how does God lead us? What's the number one way He leads us when it's not written in the Word of God? Through peace versus no peace. And you know, like I said a while ago, if you did have a dream or something like that, it had better line up with what did we say first? With the Word of God. And also it needs to also bear witness with our, you need to have, with your spirit or you need to have peace on the inside. It's interesting when Paul... You can read about this sometime in Acts 16. I won't turn over for the sake of time. But he had a vision in the night. Paul had a vision in the night. The Apostle Paul about going over to Macedonia. Remember he saw that man there you know, in, the, in that vision in the night come on over. Remember that? 
But it's interesting that the New International Version brings it out very good that he concluded that God wanted him to go there. So just because he had a vision with somebody beckoning him over, he didn't move on that until he first concluded, that he, until he first had peace that it was the Lord wanting him to do that. Okay? You need to understand that. Let me give you some examples of this peace versus no peace. Go to Acts the 15th chapter. Acts the 15th chapter and the 34th verse. Acts 15, 34. How many of you remember Silas? Do you remember Silas, Paul and Silas, you know, and they were eventually in prison together and all of that? Now, how many of you think it would have been a great honor to be part of Paul's ministry and travel with him? I think that would have been a great honor. Now, do you know how Silas became Paul's traveling partner. He became Paul's traveling partner, first of all, because he, was, he, he, he went to Antioch at the direction of, of, of the leaders, you know, of, of the church and whatnot, and, and he goes to Antioch. And he's there in Antioch, and he did his job there in Antioch and with some other people that went with him. And now the other people are leaving, and it's interesting. Notice Acts 15, 34. However... It seemed good to Silas to remain there. Now, if, you're, if you've got a, a pen or something, you might want to underline that in your Bible. Seemed good. Seemed good. Seemed good. It seemed good to Silas to remain there. Notice he didn't have a dream. He didn't have a vision. He didn't have an angelic experience. He didn't have an audible voice or anything like that. It just, while everybody else was leaving, it seemed good for Silas to remain there. Now, in the process of time, some things happened and Paul needed a new traveling companion. And guess what? Silas was there because Paul was right there as well in that same area. And Paul, look at verse 40. It says, Paul chose Silas. Paul chose Silas and departed. But what if Silas wouldn't have been there? What if he hadn't have been there? Then Paul wouldn't have been able to choose him. Now, how come Silas stayed there in Antioch? He stayed there not as a result of, you know, anything what we think of as spectacular guidance. He stayed there just because it what? It seemed good. He had peace on the inside. Seemed good to stay there. That's what the Bible says. And as a result, he was in the perfect will of God for his life, and, and uh, Paul chose him to be his traveling companion. Listen, uh, listen, everybody. We, we really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us with peace versus no peace. Don't, don't look for the dreams and the visions and those things. Don't, don't look for those. Go by that peace versus no peace. And even if you do get a dream, a vision, or something like that, what does it need to line up with first? First with the Bible and then peace on the inside. Okay? I tell you, this can keep you out of so much trouble. And this can put you in the will of God. It will put you in the will of God. And guess what's in the will of God? There's blessings in the will of God. There's also some... Some troubles in the will of God. Did you know that? We'll see that here in a minute. But praise God, if you're in the will of God, you can overcome. Many, the Bible says, are the afflictions of the righteous. But don't stop there. But the Lord will deliver him out of them all. 
So how did Silas get in the per- how did he how did he get what how did he get that great assignment? Did he get it by a dream or a vision? How did he get it? Seemed good, peace. Look at now look at this, Acts 27:9. This kind of thing can save your life. Listen to me. This message today can save your life, it can save your children's life. I'm just telling you, that's how important this is. This is this is one of the most vital messages any Christian could ever hear. This is a life and death message here today. This is being in the will of God or not in the will of God. Look at Acts 27 verse 9. And when much time had been spent, now this has to do with with, uh, Paul now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Now wait a minute, let's just stop right here before we even get to any spiritual stuff. It it says right here, sailing was now dangerous because of the time of the year they were in. You know, we need to use our brain. I said we we need to use our brain too. A lot of times we Christians, we can get so spiritual on things that we just stop using our brain. We need to use our brain. You know, sometimes we, uh, my wife and I will take vacation and... uh, but you know there's certain areas that we go on vacation, but you know we don't schedule the vacations during hurricane season. Now that doesn't take any great leading from the Spirit of God. Huh? Just like one good minister who used to travel the country, he said in the, in the uh, summer months he'd preach up north, and in the winter months he'd preach down south. Now does that take any great leading there? No, that's just using your brain. So he didn't have to deal with the cold weather up north and have a lot of his meetings canceled in the wintertime, see? So we, if we just use our brain, we'd be, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying I've met a lot of Christians over the years that they think the Scripture says that they're transformed by the removing of their mind. The Bible doesn't say that. We're transformed by the what? The renewing of our mind. Okay, so we need to be thinkers and use our brain. Um. But now, he said that uh, so it, was a, it was a rough time of the year to be traveling as it is. And then look at verse 10. Saying, now here's Paul says this. He says, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. And not only of the cargo of the ship, but also of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but if it's the bad time of the year, or even if it isn't a bad time of the year, if the man of God here, Paul, says, I perceive it's going to be with disaster, I'm not getting on a boat. How about you? But of course, they, Paul was a prisoner at this time and he had no choice. But now notice verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion was moved, more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Well, I tell you what, you can get in trouble when you don't listen to the leading of the Spirit of God. Now, how did Paul know that it was going to be with disaster and much loss? We don't see that he had a dream or a vision or anything else, but just I perceive. Just he didn't have peace on the inside. There was a lack of peace. There was a lack of peace. He didn't have peace. I tell you what, you need to, you, you need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It can save your life. Did you hear me? And again and again, folks go around looking for great spectacular guidance. No. How does he lead us? Peace versus no peace. 
Now then, I'll tell you something else. As a Christian, you need to be a goer. Or I like to say it this way, be a green light Christian. Now, I've met folks over the years that they will sit in their prayer closet seeking the will of the Lord concerning like going out and telling people about Jesus. Didn't Jesus himself say, go into all the world and preach the gospel? So we've got the green light from him to go. Is that right? So shouldn't we be green light Christians? We we ought to be on the go telling people about Jesus. But yet in the midst of that, so we don't need to... Now listen, as, as soul winners, we don't need to go around just, you know, should I go or shouldn't I go? Should I go? Shouldn't I go tell somebody about the Lord? We ought to be going telling people about the Lord. Green light on the go. But, but notice, in the midst of being a green light Christian, you also need to have... Uh, 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 you need to follow the peace of God. Look at Acts 16, verse 6. Look at Acts 16, verse 6. Talking about Paul and his travels as a soul winner, you know. Look at this. We're going to just some examples of peace versus no peace. And by the way, that voyage that he perceived would end with disaster. How many of you know it did end with disaster, didn't it? If you read on. But look right here now. They're preaching the gospel, going, you know, going, 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 telling people about Jesus. Look at Acts 16, 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and through the region of Galatia, they were... Now, watch this. You know what they were doing? They were being green light Christians. They were going out telling people about Jesus. But notice in this one instance here, they were what? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, we know at a later time, the word of God went into Asia. But at this time, the Holy Spirit forbade it or forbid it or however you want to say it. And and now, how did he forbid them? I don't know for sure. But just knowing the Holy Spirit, I, I presume Paul didn't have peace about going in there. And then in verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. See, they were on the go telling people about Jesus. They were on the go doing good. But, you know, and that's what we need to do. We don't need to live our lives in fear and in, and in, in, in trepidation. We need to be living life and, and telling people about the Lord and going on, having a good time and, and, and serving God. And, you know, serving God's fun. Amen. All that. You understand that? And just trust the Spirit of God. Just trust the Spirit of God. Just trust the Spirit of God that as you're going about your daily life, working and and doing what you need to do and and then helping people and all that, just trust God that as you're going, that if there's some danger or there's something that, 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 you know, there's something out there that He doesn't want you to do, just trust Him that if that's the case, that He'll give you that lack of peace on the inside and then you'll back off of whatever it is that's dangerous for you. I like what one good minister said, and it's really good. He said, I go, by as much, I go as much by what God doesn't say as what He does. And I'll put it in my own words, just live your life. Live your life according to the Bible and go about your daily affairs and, and things you need to do and just trust the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to build our trust up in the Holy Spirit and just trust Him. Just trust Him that if there's something that He doesn't want us to do, that, we, that He'll give us that check on the inside, that lack of peace, and then we'll back off of that. You okay? Trust the Holy Spirit. Are you going to do something just because somebody else did it, or are you going to do something because you got peace? All right. Listen now. Now then, a couple of other things, and then we'll close. You need to know this, that the Holy Spirit will very oftentimes lead us into nice places. 
Doesn't the Bible say in the book of Psalms, verse uh, chapter 23, it says, He leads me beside the what? The still waters. But if you think, and, and He does that, He'll lead you into those nice, wonderful, restful places. Don't misunderstand me. The Holy Spirit will do that. But you know, He doesn't always lead us beside the still waters. Sometimes He leads us into tough places. And you need to realize that about the Holy Spirit. You see, because a lot of times Christians think that, well, the Holy Spirit's just going to lead them into the nice bed of roses. He doesn't always do that. Look at Acts 20, verse uh, 23. And we'll, we'll uh, close here with this right here. The Holy Spirit will at times lead us to tough places. Look at Acts 20. We'll start verse 22. Acts 20, 22. Acts 20, 22. And see, and now Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. See, Paul was a mature Christian, a mature child of God. He was being led by the Holy Spirit, and he knew that it was the will of God for him to go to Jerusalem. Now, you need to realize that. But here's something else I find interesting. He says, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Now, you need to know this about the Holy Spirit's leading. You won't always know everything that's going to happen every step of the way. It's like buying this property here. You know how we bought this property here? When I walked on it, my wife and I, we walked on it. We just had peace on the inside. And this church, we started this church at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And He hasn't given us specific instructions all along the way, but, but he's led us nonetheless, you see. And you won't always know all the details, but that, see, that's where faith comes in. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. See? And that's where faith comes in. But along the way, there's been things that have come up that my wife and I, we just haven't had peace on, so we've backed away. You know, other things you have peace on, so you move. Now, Notice here, he says, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that a rose garden is waiting for me. Is that what it says? No, saying that what? Chains and tribulations await me. Now, how many of you know that there's Christians out there, and, and I was one of them at one time, that if I knew that train, uh, train, chains and tribulation was waiting for me, I would have concluded that that can't be God. But will God sometimes lead us to a tough place? Yes, He will. And notice right here, He said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Isn't that something? The Holy Spirit is leading Paul into a tough place. Now, as he goes along his way, how many of you have ever run across well-meaning people? They love you, they're well-meaning, but you know what? If you listen to what people say... You can miss the will of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. We all ought to be under spiritual authority. This ministry is under spiritual authority and all of that. We're under, under the Raymond Ministerial Association out of Tulsa and all of that. We're not just a Lone Ranger church out here doing our own thing. You know, uh, you need to be submitted to good godly authority. You understand that? But I will say this, that you can 
let well-meaning people talk you out of the will of God. I know it's, it, 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 it's, it almost happened to me at one time in my life. But look at here as they went along. Look at Acts 21.4. Acts 21.4. Now notice this. And finding disciples, because Paul knew he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. He knew that chains and tribulations were waiting for him. Now as they went along, they came across some disciples. We stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Now there's been some people argue and say, oh, here's a contradiction in the Bible, you know. uh, Or or they'll say, well, Paul just missed it. I don't believe Paul missed it. And I know there's not a contradiction in the Bible. What you need to realize here is Paul is a seasoned, mature Christian and these these are disciples... And I'm convinced, after meditating on this for some 20 plus years, I'm convinced of this, that these disciples got over into prayer and they were praying for Paul and they sensed in the spirit that there were bonds and afflictions waiting for him in Jerusalem. And so guess what they did? They put their own interpretation on what the Spirit of God was saying and they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Listen, we can get in trouble when we put our own interpretation on what the Holy Spirit is saying. And you see, it was the will of God for Paul to go, but these well-meaning disciples... I'm convinced they knew that if he went there, there was going to be problems for him, and so they're trying to talk him out of the very thing that God wants him to do. You need to love the well-meaning people, but you need to be very cautious because people can, with with the best of intentions, talk you out of the will of God. So you need to be watchful. And be watchful about putting your own interpretation on what the Holy Spirit is, is saying. And then as we go on, look at verse 10, Acts 21.10. Look at this. And we stayed there many days. I'm just skipping some verses here, but for the sake of time, you can go read it later on your own time. But look at Acts 21.10. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Now, notice the word prophet versus the word disciples in verse 4. This man here was a seasoned minister of the gospel. The Bible calls him a prophet a mature Christian. God does not use immature baby and adolescent Christians in a prophet's ministry. And this seasoned Christian named Agabus, notice he came down from Judea, look at verse 11. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now listen to me. Did this prophet tell Paul what to do or what not to do? Absolutely not. All he did was bring confirmation. Did that confirm what the Spirit of God had been telling Paul all along? Certainly it did. Be watchful about anybody coming up to you and saying to you, you know what, God has given me a word for you. Be cautious. Now, could he do that? He could. But if he does, it had better line up with what? Word of God and peace versus no peace. And I'll tell you something else I've learned over the many years that typically, typically, not always, but typically if God is going to use somebody to speak something in your life like this, it's going to be somebody that has some maturity about them and somebody that has some kind of good, godly, spiritual authority in your life. 
Not just somebody that you don't know that walks up to you in the church service. That'll keep you out of a lot of trouble if you'll just chew on that. And be watchful. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. Be watchful. You can know if somebody shares something with you, you can know, you can know one telltale sign that the Holy Spirit, Spirit isn't in it is if they give you direction. If they tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't do, know this, the Holy Spirit's not in that. Right here, he didn't... You see, did you notice right up above in verse 4, those I, they weren't very seasoned, in my opinion, disciples. They were saved nonetheless, but not seasoned. They told Paul what he should or shouldn't do. But the, the seasoned, mature prophet didn't tell him what he should or shouldn't do. He just brought confirmation. So be watchful if somebody tells you what you should or shouldn't do. If they tell you that, it's a telltale sign the Holy Spirit's not in it. But he could use somebody to what? Confirm what's already in your heart. Now... Notice here, verse 12, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him. Now look, here we go again, more well-meaning people. Both we and those from that place, verse 12, pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Can well-meaning people talk you out of the will of God or try to? Be watchful, be watchful. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when, and when he would not be persuaded... He knew what the Spirit of God wanted him to do and he, he wasn't coming off of it. We see saying the will of the Lord be done. So what's the number way, one way that God leads us by His Holy Spirit? The Word, the written Word. What if it's not verbatim in the Word of God? Then how does He lead us? Peace versus no peace. Just that peace on the inside. I got peace on it. Peace. Then you move. If you don't have peace, you don't move. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, let's everybody stand. Praise God. Let's stand. As they dimmed the lights, as heads bowed, eyes closed in the presence of a holy God, as my altar workers are making their way to the, to the front, I just want to say this in closing to you. Maybe you're here today and...